You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Today's Meeting Pod episode is sponsored by Botter. Hi, I'm Chris Scott host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at both Meeting Place and Altmeet Magazines. Our guest today is Dr. Casey M. Owens, a professor at the University of Arkansas, specializing in poultry processing and products at the Dale Bumpers College of Agriculture, Food, and Life Sciences. Her research background has included studies of pale, soft, exudative, or PSE meat in broilers and turkeys, and the use of postmortem electrical stimulation of poultry. Our discussion will cover these issues as well as other aspects of poultry growth and development. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Casey. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, a lot of your research into broiler production involves such end-user concerns as meat quality and other factors like chicken growth rates on poultry farms. With that in mind, what kind of advances have you seen in those areas among processors and growers in terms of improving operating efficiencies? Well, Chris, kind of looking back a little bit on history, more recent history, our industry and field of poultry, especially with broilers, have moved to larger birds. But that's come from an increase or an improvement in growth performance, but also the longer duration that we grow birds. they're, They're bigger for at least those two reasons. And this is happening in other industries as well. And the reason I bring that up is because that has led to some meat quality issues. But in terms of what processors and growers are doing to improve operating efficiencies, that's one of them. So it's more efficient and get more pounds per hour per man hour out by producing larger animals overall. There is a lot of automation in the poultry industry in both processing and some automation in the growth production scenario as well. So there's a lot of different things, other aspects of that, but I'll kind of stop it at that right now. Okay. Let's shift our conversation toward the topic of woody breast, which has drawn the attention of consumers, growers, and processors in recent years. Can you give us a snapshot of exactly what woody breast is and how frequently the condition is seen beyond the processing plant these days compared with a few years ago? Sure, sure. So woody breast is kind of, it's a meat quality defect we've been observing for, well, probably almost about 10 years now or so. And basically what it is, is that there's a change in composition in the muscle. And so as the bird is growing, especially in those birds that are higher breast yielding birds, they can have rapid growth rates that can result in protein degradation and where the synthesis of proteins doesn't always keep up with that degradation. And that leads to some voids in the muscle, which then is kind of filled in with collagen and fat. And so it's kind of part of some normal growth and development processes. But we do see changes in composition, namely, again, increase in collagen. We can see an increase in fat, decreased protein overall. And these are just slight decreases, by the way. But that's what the condition is. It can give textural issues. So in more severe cases, because there is a lot more collagen associated with it, it can give kind of a complex texture where it's it's been referred to as like a gristle, a crunchy kind of feeling. Now, 
in mild cases, sometimes that texture is more of a flaky and kind of a smooth or a slick kind of texture as you're eating that product. So it's the most severe that can cause the unappealing textural issues. So you asked about how frequent we see this condition. So there is a potential for the condition to occur still on broilers. A modest rate, I mean, when it first was on the market in the late 2000s, I guess, go back to my years, you know, we could see up to 25 to 30% in processing plants. I haven't really been in a lot of plants since the COVID pandemic to really do a large scale assessment. I do feel like that has gone down a little bit in processing plants from the plants that I have been into. But the other thing I want to bring out is that plants are, you know, aware of it and can help sort that product out. So the problematic meat, the ones that are most severe cases, they can sort that out and then divert that product in products that are not going to be affected as much by the textural changes like a ground type of product or something like that. So in terms of how much is getting out past the processing plant, that number could be relatively low. So it will vary, you know, for a processor and, and you know, what the end product is, but they're doing a good job of sorting that and diverting it away from like whole muscle type products where it's more problematic. And on that exact note, uh, recent research and technological advances suggest that machine vision technology could help processors determine stiffness in breast fillets when they're actually bent and moving along the line. Now, combined with artificial intelligence and advanced imaging technology, can this be a major step towards setting a new standard for cost-effective methods to detect woody breasts long before those products reach retail? Yes, you know, I'm familiar with that research that you're talking about, and it's definitely a good step forward. And a lot of it with the artificial intelligence and intelligence and machine learning, those type of things can help better define or, or detect these defects. And so, yes, I do think that is definitely a big potential for improvement in sorting technologies. Because for sorting, the biggest problem there is really, if you think about woody breast being normal, mild or moderate, and severe, the mild cases are the majority of cases that will be observed. And so the misclassification rates in any of these detection technologies are really from mild to severe or mild to normal. And so it's really trying to get the sweet spot so that you're really taking out the most problematic meat, the ones that are most severe, out of the production that would go into whole breast muscle type of products. So that is definitely has a lot of potential for use in processing plants. There's other technologies that are out that are some that are being used that look at changes in composition, for example, decreased protein percent or increased fat. Some processors have used that for sorting, and then some, again, are using hand sorting. But definitely, if we can move into an automated method of doing that, then it's going to be a little bit more successful and more timely and and use less labor. And on that note, can you give us an idea of the scope in terms of cost for installing these types of technologies? Oh, that's a great question. I'm not certain that I would know that answer, to be honest with you. But if it has, you know, you've got to kind of weigh the odds. Like if you or maybe a processor that's producing kind of on the larger end of the birds where you may have more probability of having more woody breast or more of the severe woody breast, it may be to their advantage to invest in a system like this. But there's lots of things that go into making those decisions. So, you know, so that's a hard one for me to answer. But Completely understood. And it also falls under the realm of other types of automation 
that is available or becoming available as we move forward. Right. Okay. Right. And, you know, to kind of head to just go off a little bit more, you know, you said that there is a lot of automation in plants and that's very true. And there's a lot of different technologies that are going into it. And so it's not unheard of that you would think that this would go into processing plants because they are making investments to do other things. There may be kind of a multi-use application for, you know, things like this. Gotcha. Now, your earlier research has identified a number of specific factors that can affect poultry meat quality, depending on the overall treatment of broilers. Can you give our listeners some background on some of these common quality defects, including bruising, over-stunning, over-scalding, and green muscle disease? Sure. You know, Tom, think about your list that you just mentioned, and I'll try to mention a few other ones. You know, bruising is something that occurs in the live bird. It can result in some quality defects in the plant because you're going to have some blood residue, which could lead to, you know, a faster spoilage rate of product and, and appearance and maybe even flavor issues if it's something severe. But typically those would be trimmed off and so forth in the plant where you have some downgrade type issues. But that's also bruising would be, you know, somewhat of an animal welfare concern. So looking at root causes of those issues is going to be important. Is it something incidental or is there one particular reason that, you know, more of the flock might be getting bruises and then you work on that problem. So that's a concern because it can result in downgrade. Overstunning, what that means is that we use a lot of electrical stunning here in the poultry industry in the U.S. And when the bird's resistance of the size of the bird changes, so that resistance of the bird changes the current or the voltage that's going into the bird. That can change the currents that are delivered to the animal. So in certain cases, you could have a little bit more amperage delivered in that stunning process, which would cause a surge of blood pressure. And that big surge of blood pressure may rupture some capillaries and, and cause some blood splash and, and things of that nature. And then that can decrease quality. Overscalding generally occurs when the scalders are running a little bit too hot. This can happen a lot of times at the beginning of shift before things are, you know, dialed down or adjusted properly. Oftentimes those may be minor defects, but in the more severe ones that carcass may be removed if the meat quality is damaged to a great degree or trimmed off. And then green muscle disease is really, it affects the tenderloin, so the, the pectoralis minor. This occurs from the live production setting. So when the bird gets active and it's maybe flapping its wings quite a bit, what that does is causes pressure on the pectoralis minor, that tenderloin that lies underneath mm-hmm. the breast fillet, and it can cause capillaries to rupture. And then the green is just kind of that degradation of the blood residue that's you know, the blood components that can result there. So there is a good portion of green muscle that can be detected in plants and those have to be discarded. And so that is lost yield. And now we'll take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Botter. Running at 70 birds per minute, the new Botter Breasty Boner 661 is specifically designed for the U.S. market to be a direct replacement for the industry standard dual manual deboning lines. The machine saves skilled labor by automating complex cutting and scoring processes while keeping you directly in control of the quality and yield through manual harvesting of the fillets and tenders. Realize the intelligent combination of man and machine. Contact your Botter representative to schedule a demonstration at poultry-us at botter.com. You know, other ones we talked about woody breasts, white striping is another defect that we can see. 
that oftentimes that's in mild cases. I don't see a lot of severe cases in the industry, but that's really just affecting composition again. And you mentioned pale, soft, and exudative meat in the introduction of this little podcast. And that's where we have proteins that are damaged per se. So they don't undergo some sort of denaturation in the postmortem setting. So after they've been slaughtered and that results in loss of water holding capacity to the meat itself. So it's affecting protein functionality. That may be caused by some short-term stress prior to processing where the metabolism of that bird is kind of ramped up. And so the metabolics are going a little bit faster rate in that early postmortem period. And so I think I've hit on a few of those. I think if there's any other ones that are major ones I want to mention, but those are a lot of them in addition to, again, the woody breast, white striping. Spaghetti breast is another one that we're seeing where that's kind of just a fraying or soft tissue in the breast fillet. It's kind of a loss of integrity. We generally see that kind of at a younger age when those birds are, I don't know, five to six pounds. And we may see it in kind of focal points on the breast, but in terms of quality, it doesn't impact it a great degree in the minor settings, but it could be become advanced if it's kind of throughout the muscle where the, the fillet kind of falls apart. So there's a variety of issues that can occur, but we try to, I say we, the processing industry, you know, tries to reduce any of the root causes that can result in these things. Especially when it comes to reducing overall yield Absolutely. off the line. Yes, because any of these defects can result in downgrades or lost yield. And that, again, goes down to the bottom line of the processor. So yield is money overall. And so you want to be able to have product that you've produced out the door without losing. Exactly. Okay. Now you have also studied slower growing broiler genotypes that are raised with and without outdoor access. That research noted rising consumer interest in organic and natural poultry products way back in 2005. Now have processes for growers or consumer interest for these products changed since those results were published? Yes, interesting. That was several years back. <laughs> we did that research here. I had a student that had a really strong interest in that, and we found some interesting results. We did some slower-growing genetics, some medium-growing genetics, and fast-growing genetics to look at those issues and raised with and without the outdoor access. And so there has been a lot more research in those areas in the industry and the research communities since that time. So I think that the consumer interest is there. There's a lot of choice among poultry products. And I think the industry overall tries to accommodate those things as much as possible, right? And so it's one thing better than another. It's not really for me to say or, or whatnot, but we try to give the consumers what they want. And some do want those birds that are either raised organically under organic conditions, meaning feed and some growing conditions with outdoor access and so forth. But so in terms of consumer interest, I still think there is a consumer interest for those things. And, and they may still be niche markets, but those markets are there and they're, they're strong still. And there has been ongoing research and by others, I haven't continued along that path, but I do still go look at that data because I do still get questions regarding, you know, the fast growing broiler versus the slow growing broilers and, and those impacts on meat quality and so forth. Absolutely. Okay. And finally, do you have any projections on what the students you teach at the University of Arkansas may run into over the next several years as they embark on their careers in poultry science? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I thought about this question or I think about this a lot in terms of when we're educating students because the industry is always moving towards the future, obviously, right? And so there's quite a bit of automation. And as we've seen in the last few years, labor issues are still a challenge and they'll probably will still remain a challenge from here on out. And so our industry and the poultry industry were very highly automated from a mechanical sense, but we're also getting a lot of I think what we'll see down the line is more automation in terms of AI and robotics. Those are kind of some best things that we see at some of these trade shows and some research underway in those particular areas. And so having students have the ability to have an understanding or make connections of what that means for work environments or to how to produce a product is going to be important. The other thing is that Students should be aware of the entire system. So you're not just going to go work in live production and be done with it. You're not just going to work in processing plant and be done with it because there is a connection between live production and meat quality, for example. And so if the processors don't understand the live production and vice versa, it's hard to make decisions on how to move forward or, or to move away from quality issues and get beyond those. So it's important to look at a systems approach. Food safety is always going to be very key. It's not just a plant problem. It's a live production problem as well. And so that's going to be important that they, you know, somebody that's a broiler tech can understand some basis of like food safety, for example, and how that moves into plants so that kind of look at a systems approach rather than just these silos. But other than that, from a people's perspective, you know, leadership, and management styles and working with people and how to do that is going to be very important as they move through their careers, obviously. And these are perspectives that need to be taught because they don't come naturally, right? Yeah, I think and by doing that, you know, when they come through our curriculum, of course, we have a lot of classes, but we also have opportunities for students to gain some experience in the industry, like through internships or industry type events so that they're exposed to these things in their four years or whatever time that they're here, if they're in graduate school mm-hmm. and beyond, that they can get that exposure while they're here in a safe area and really explore the areas that they want to go into. And so, because you're obviously not going to be able to get out there and understand, oh, I right. understand all of the automation there, but you've got to be willing to learn and to understand the data that's collected and how to make decisions on data and, and critical thinking and those sorts of things. Terrific. Well, thanks so much, Casey, for sharing your insights with our Meeting Pod listeners. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you today. Of course. And thanks to our listeners for joining us for Meeting Pod today. Come back every Monday for more insights on the ins and outs of the meat processing industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines on social media and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and alt-meat.net. Until next time. And thank you to today's episode sponsor, Botter. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeat.net.